Hi, I'm Tom Hansen. And I'm Kat Hansen. In 2014, our son Harding was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. And since then, we have experienced the ups and downs that come along with being a CHD parent. In this podcast, we share some of the lessons we've learned along the way and the things we wish we knew at the start of our journey. In each episode, we also chat with CHD experts to get their stories of hope, encouraging insights, and valuable resources to give parents like us the right help at the right time. This is the Hope and Courage Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking to Michael Katchman. He is a writer and producer on the film, Building the Field, Lifelong Care for Congenital Heart Disease. And he's also a CHD parent. And this film, you're going to hear us uh, cheerlead this film throughout this episode. Yes. FYI, because it is a really, really good um, resource for CHD parents. Yes. It gives lots of good stories and lots of good insights um, from medical professionals, from parents, from CHD warriors like like his son. Uh, but it talks about life after care, right? What does adulthood look like? What does the transition of care look like? What are some where are the discrepancies that exist there and the needs? And just setting some great expectations and giving some great hope and courage for that stage in life. Yeah, I think a lot of CHD parents don't know that there can be a lapse between care for their CHD child and when they become an adult and what the expectations should be there. So this film really addresses that issue. And our talk with Michael is one, you're going to love him. He's so positive and encouraging and we think you'll really get a lot from this episode and from the film itself. So a link to the film, it's on YouTube, is in the show notes, in the description. So we encourage you to check it out. But first, listen to uh, Mike's story, because I think it's really inspiring. But the first thing we talk about in the episode is exactly what Kat was talking about, is setting some proper expectations for what life looks like into adulthood. What are the needs and what resources are needed to make sure that our kiddos are living their best lives? Uh, the next thing we talk about is mental health and just how important that is in the care for CHD children and adults. Uh, actually, 50% of people with CHD experience a mood disorder. So that's one in two people. Uh, so there's a great need there to address that. And the last thing we talk about is in any CHD journey, there are ups and there are downs, there are peaks and there are valleys. But oh my gosh, we should celebrate and live life in those peaks, in those moments between uh, challenges and hardships. That's That's been a big aha moment for Kat and I over the last few months. And I love to just hear Mike's insights on that. And I think you're going to enjoy it too. All right, let's jump to our conversation with Mike. Mike Catchman, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm enjoying my... Uh life out here at Hilton Head. Um, it's beautiful day today in the 70s. Moving from the north to down here to retire has been a great thing. That's and amazing. Uh, Sunday morning coffee on the veranda is nice, but uh, talking to you guys is even better. <laughs> oh man, you're making us jealous. Wow, <laughs> compared to the beach? Yeah, I'm well, it's, a, it's a stone's throw away, but you know, when you get down here and you start living, you really don't go to the beach that much unless you have visitors. It's kind of funny. I mean, we right. do, but it's not like you think. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. 
Yeah. yeah, we uh we're in the middle of uh fall spring as we call it here in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get a Winter, warm spring. Yeah, we get a, a stretch of warm days and then we go back to frigid winter and uh and you know, it's just part of the part of life up here, but I was uh, there for 60 years, so I understand. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Mike, so glad you're here and um for folks who may not know, you have put out or helped produce and create uh, an amazing uh, movie on uh, on CHD and particularly the transition of care to adulthood with CHD, and we're so excited to have you uh, on the um, on the podcast. You know what I love about your movie and just the other things that I've seen. It's so it's so, it hits me the same way every time I'm watching it. I first am, am really thankful. I'm like, man, I'm getting some good info here. But my next thought is, other people need to hear this. So I'm <laughs> yeah. like literally going through a list of of uh of people in my mind of like we got to send this out i mean this is such a good message but i would love to hear more about you to start and then learning more about um the movie and and some background on it but for folks who may not be familiar with you can you just give us a little bit of your story and your connection to chd sure um my connection to chd is my youngest son zach um he was born almost 34 years ago in Cincinnati at um, Good Samaritan Hospital. And within about, oh, a day, we were told that he needed to go to um, Cincinnati Children's. That is, his heartbeat was a little off. Now, this is 1988. Hmm. And um, we were just blessed that our pediatrician, Dr. Lacker, had trained in LA and had heard a heart like Zach's Hmm. when he so he knew what was going on. It was really interesting. And he immediately got, because they gave him a, I forget what those APGAR scores are, but it was like, was it 9.8 or 5, whatever the highest one was, he was almost there. So we mm-hmm. were really happy. I went home from the, from the, uh, from him being born late at night to waking up to this. So it was pretty crazy. So we uh, started our journey then. And um, went through, you know, several operations, a lot of calves, um, a lot of stress. And then he had his Fontan. And right after his Fontan, he was about five. I started wondering, you know, why no, everybody I would tell, you know, my son has, you know, CHD or congenital heart disease, whatever. And they would look at me like that was crazy. You know, well, what is that? He just has a heart problem. And as he grew older and I, you know, started getting more involved, I realized that the awareness of congenital heart disease was just like nil, to be honest with you. It was really scary. So around his bar mitzvah, when he turned 13, um, I got involved with Children's Heart Association of Cincinnati, which is now the Congenital Heart Alliance, Hmm. and um, started um, volunteering at that charity and started realizing that there is a line to get this information out to. So over the last 20 some years of being on that charity and board and working with them, um, it, it's given me the opportunity to voice myself and start getting things out. And one of the things that I have been frustrated with over the last, I would say 20 years, has been the fact that the physical and mental side of the disease has just been, you know, kind of swept under the carpet. Yeah. Everybody knew you had to go to your appointments and all that, but you know, what about your psychological side and the physical side? So I've worked very hard over the last, um, 20 some years to try to get that point across. And finally, um, 
about four or five years ago, I think it's five now, we did a film called The Heart Within. And that was a um, uplifting story following six families, three um, you know, younger and three older families on dealing with congenital heart disease on a regular basis. And uh, Rocky Smith, who does the films with me, is um, my filmmaker and, and editor. And uh, he and I work you know, side by side to create these stories. And he has no CHD in his family. He learned it all from me. And um, we put together that, and it turned out to be a really good um, way to get that story out. And then when, we, when um, <clears throat> a few years ago, I started, I started talking to doctors around the country about what's the next area I should go. And I told them I wanted to do the uh, loss to care because Dr. Kimball, I don't know if you guys knew him from Cincinnati Children's, but he was a big uh, proponent of finding the loss to care. So I was mm-hmm. on a committee with him years ago and it just stayed in my mind. And then the physical and mental part, I wanted that out. So Rocky and I began making the film and it was very difficult to, to, to kind of cram 30 minutes of these three subject matters into, uh, and it just took a very long time to get the writing right and create it correctly. And Rocky and I worked really hard to do it. And um, we finally got it finished, almost finished and COVID hit. So we had to wait mm-hmm. to do some interviews through COVID. And finally, um, we got our final interviews done and then we're able to release this past February. Well, that's great. And uh, there's so many great uh, pieces in there, but yeah, I, I love the film. And I think the first thing that I wanted to kind of comment on and, and really hear your thoughts on is I think with any stress or trauma or um, just just difficulty or hardship that's, that one has in life, I think it, they all, those things are very isolating mm-hmm. and your experiences, uh, you know, you, you, you live, go through the world with the sample size of one inside your own brain of what the world is like. And you're often comparing yourself to others and seeing differences. And as a family, as parents, as a CHD patient, I can imagine that's one of the, one of the great obstacles and something we've struggled with, but just to see stories on the screen of, people sharing their their stories and how and kind of normalizing and I guess getting awareness out mm-hmm. about some of the issues and that there are patterns, there are um, just mm-hmm. consistencies there. I, I just found that to be very comforting and very empowering. Yeah. Um, is that was that a goal of yours in the narrative of the film? Or is that something that you experienced as a parent or saw in your son? Don, that's a Excellent question. And I'll tell you, when we started mapping it out, um, I create who I want to have in the film. And I don't mean by name, I mean, of I wanted to, you know, I needed somebody that had physical issues, I needed somebody that had medical issues, and I needed somebody that was lost to care. Mm-hmm. And to go find people that would be willing to talk and get on camera isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And I, and I totally understand it. So it took a while to find our our group to actually put it together. And uh, we screened out some because it just, the chemistry wasn't there, but the, 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 the effect that it's had on my life is in what's in my heart and dealing with my son is what catapulted, you know, this whole 
thing of CHD. And you're so right as a parent, my wife is the same way. I mean, we, we, we live it every day and um, knowing, you know, the, the consequences of having CHD. Mm-hmm. And I just felt if we could know it every day, what the consequences was of CHD with a light at the end of the tunnel, Mm-hmm. It would make our lives a lot better and our son's life and hopefully others. So I know I, the films the films try to create a very optimistic and positive side of the disease. And that's the way I want to be about it. I mm-hmm. don't want to think about the other side other than the fact that I know it's there. But as a, as a filmmaker, I didn't want to create that. I wanted to create a, I want people to, laugh and cry. And I want him at the end to, to, to sit there and go, wow, you know, I'm very fortunate that, you know, I can do the things I can do. Mm-hmm. And if I can't, wow, I know that I can do those down the road. These guys are doing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, Na- uh, Nam, the, the, um, the Pakistani doctor that talks to me at the, during the film, mm-hmm. he was not on my interview list. We were actually interviewing Justin at the time. Mm. And, he walked up to me and said, I'm hearing what's going on. I'm a CHD doc. I, da, da, da. And, you know, I want to be, I want to be in your, in your film. Would you interview me? And oh, we said, awesome. sure. And we sat him down and, oh my gosh, what a tremendous individual he is. His story And it was, is it was so interesting to see somebody actually approach me because normally I'm fighting to get people to <laughs> come on. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but we casted it that way. We, tr- and, um, and, and they were all just so good. They all did really good jobs. And to get my um, my son to, to open like he did, I was very surprised. I thought that would not happen. And uh, my wife did a tremendous job of bringing mm-hmm. that out of him. I mean, I loved being able to hear from, you know, the four different adults in the film. And just their journeys are all very different. But they all kind of, what you guys did such a good job of is, uniting them in this you know there is a need here that needs to be addressed and there are people who see the need and are working right now to address it like to know like you said at the end of the film like it ends on this look 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 what's happening over here you know there is this issue but there are people who see it and are addressing it and for us you know with our seven-year-old who has chd to know that you know in 15 years, he'll have something like that to help him transition into adulthood with CHD and that they are aware of the mental health issues that come along, obviously the physical health issues that come along and can help him kind of bridge that gap from, cause that's like, as a CHD parent, it's hard. It's going to be hard. Um, and I'm sure you can attest to this to let go and to be like, okay, you know, it's, your care <laughs> it's your body and i don't make the decisions for it anymore right like you make the decisions for it um well, and to have something there that's going to help him with that and help us with that transition is is really great well you know um we we always let zach in the physical side do what he could do mm-hmm. and he would always kneel when he was young if he couldn't go any farther or he was tired or whatever and um when he wanted to do certain things that I thought were a little skeptical, I, we would have him talk to his cardiologist. And uh, at the time, Dr. Meyer was awesome about it. 
And then as he grew up and, and ran into Megan, actually, mm-hmm. um, and they started going, doing some talks together, Megan is an amazing young lady. I mean, she yeah. just is. And um, I've known her for, gosh, no, too many years, I think. <laughs> and um, she was at, she, she's just always been, you know, very optimistic about things and very aggressive and, you know, there for you. And um, she's been in both my films and um, I love her. I love her like a daughter and she just really is out there to help future and, you know, for the future of the CHD awareness and also help all the people that she comes in contact with. And, you know, like at seven is, is when you start, you really start thinking about, you know, the physical things that are going to start coming up, but don't, you know, forget about that mental side that, you know, what they're thinking and, mm-hmm. you know, cause they have a whole different uh, thought process than, um, you know, than we do. Oh, well, I was just going to say that, you know, we've already seen with Harding, like some mental health stuff just in anxiety and yeah, um, that we've already have been trying to help him through. Um, you know, he had an IEP for a while that was behavioral social IEP. Um, and, you know, we've been told to look out for, you know, ADHD or ADD and I think already the effects of like studying adults who have it are starting to trickle down in, in the communication of, Oh, we need to start telling parents of kids who have parents of CHD kids who are younger, that these are things you need to be aware of or to look out for. Um, And so that's been already beneficial to us. Yeah. You know, what I loved about, your movie and kind of your message now is, you know, you, you are fighting for the hope and the optimism, you know, I think we real I think we relate so closely to you in the sense that this thing happened. We couldn't have, we didn't choose it. If we could take it away, we would have taken it away. Right. Um, But it's here. And so the choice that we do get to make is whether or not we want to convert this into positive life experience for us and others, right? Making the world a better place for us, our child, the world. Um, but the thing that I liked about the, the story is because one of the traps that we've, we've fallen in in the past is what we, in our book, we, we kind of talk about the balance between, you know, paralyzing despair where we're just overwhelmed and just there's no hope and we're done versus the other end, which can be just as negative, which is naive optimism. And I felt like that was such a consistent message of, you know, we're going to prove everyone wrong. We don't need to go to the doctors. Everything's normal and fine. We're just moving forward. But what I love about your message is there is that middle ground where we can have that hope and courage and optimism, but it can be informed and it, and it needs to be informed with, uh, our reality and where we are and making the most of every day. And that, you know, becomes, that starts with self-awareness and, and just knowing our limitations. And I, I appreciated that. I think that's always just such a difficult balance to find. W- w- would you agree with that? Or what, what are your thoughts there? Tom, in the years I've been doing the films, I also did discharge films for Children's Hospital Cincinnati hmm. and talked to a lot of parents during the discharge series we did back. God, that was by 2013, 14. Um, but what I found, and they were young parents, a lot of them. And I tried to explain to them that, 
you know, you can look at this thing and, you know, variety of ways, but why not be positive about it? I mean, I mean, it's, it's, I know you think I'm, you know, um, Disneyland or whatever, but it's not, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's better than negative. I mm. thought anyways, and yeah. I've, I'm in that camp and, you know, I'll get stopped. And when I do, um, the, I do some, I do a movie presentation and somebody will come up to me and I'll never forget this one lady came up to me and she goes, I, I'm just a surprise that you did not talk about any of these kids that have died. Hmm. And I said to her, I said, well, that's not, that's not in my forte. I don't, I don't go that direction. If you want to find out about that kind of stuff, you need to look up some other filmmaker that's going in that direction. I'm not hmm. going in that direction. Hmm. And she goes, well, why not? And I said, cause I just don't want to go in that direction. Right. And that was the end of the conversation. Um, she, she wasn't very happy. Because I, I think she goes, well, you're not telling it at all. And I go, I'm telling it all in my view, mm-hmm. in my eyes. And if somebody else wants to tell the other side, let them do it. That's mm-hmm. not that's not my forte. I don't, I, you know, unfor- there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that have dealt with death with mm-hmm. their CHD kids. And um, they have the knowledge and they have the the wherewithal to describe that and deal with it and put it down if they mm-hmm. want. And they, ha- you know, it's like, I could never, thank God I'm not in that position. So I choose not to go there. I choose to stay very positive. I choose to um, try to talk to the doctors and, and get what's new coming out and whatever I can do to promote and help a cure and yeah. a uh, eventual eradication of CHD. Yeah. But I, I love just the fact that, you know, I think this story was, let's lean into that transition of care. You know, I love that, you know, the, the title of the film, which I don't know if we've shared, uh, but like, uh, we'll bi- share it in the intro. Yeah. We'll share it in the intro yeah. and, and we'll cut this out. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, so, uh, but you know, the, the title building the field, right. And that, that came from a quote from Dr. Madsen, who we were uh, really blessed to have as our cardiologist for our son for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think I think it was a, it was a more medical uh, way of saying we're building the plane as we fly it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes. but but, you know, we we made these huge leaps medically yeah. uh, that were giving life to children who never had the opportunity for life before. And that was the main focus. And now we're able to stand on those the shoulders of those giants who did that. And now we can look further and start saying, OK, now that we have gotten life now that we've gotten a childhood in school let's start talking about those next steps and and how to um, make the most of 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 that stage those stages in life which I really appreciated you know we heard a quote from a um, a cardiologist once that just kind of said there's a population of humans walking the planet that have never walked it before you know they're they're dealing with problems that we've never seen or faced before and we're actively learning and problem solving and i thought i thought the stories in this film were were very powerful for that right so in coming up with the title um the heart within was very easy that was an easy one um this combining these three areas couldn't come up with an actual title until we interviewed nick Hmm. And when Nick said that, I looked at Rocky and he looked at me and he goes, I, I, I think that's our title. Because if you, you know, it's, it's, 
because in all those areas, if you really think about it, we're building. Yeah. We're now building into physical fitness. We're now building into mental health. And we're now trying to find a loss to care. And it is a field that is needing of construction. Mm-hmm. And f- especially the loss to care. I wanted to really spend more time on that. And all these subject matters really deserve their own 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if I can raise the money and I get the... Um, maybe Children's Heart Alliance will come through again. They were so great with sponsoring and, and um, promoting and, and financing the, the film. Hmm. And they're seeing some great results from it that maybe, you know, we'll get another one out. And I would probably go strong on mental health. I think that would be my next, you know, my next film. But we, we really wanted to show that, yeah, there really are building the field to, to get CHD out there. And, um, you know, I, you guys have been there, you know, Nick <clears throat> Matson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very close to, to Nick and he, he and I have made several films together. Um, Dr. Beekman, which was, who was there. I don't know if you know him, but he was there for a while. Another, there's just had some, and Dr. Kimball were my three, you know, my three go-to guys at, hmm. at, at the hospital. And, you know, now they're all gone in different places and whatever, yeah. but it's um, to get them, the doctors to come and especially Nick to say what he said, which was, you know, very profound. If you really think about it, he, he, yeah. he basically said, yeah, we, we, we told them that they were, you know, that they were fixed, but they were, they're not fixed. They're, you know, they're repaired. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and trying to get, more adult care and, and all going. I remember when Zach was about 15, I asked Dr. Meyer in the elevator going up from one of his appointments. And I said, well, what do we do in three years? Where does he go? And um, he said, well, we're going to start an adult hospital here. Would you like to, you know, be a part of that and help me, you know, whatever you need. And so I, I kind of got involved with, with Dr. Meyer and, you know, they were just kind of, he just kind of told me what they were doing. It was awesome. So when Zach did turn 18, 19, there was a, you know, he, he didn't, he transitioned in and, um, you know, for, and still there now he's moved to South Carolina to be closer to us. So he'll probably be going to Charleston Hmm. children's MUSC, but I think I'm trying to talk him into keeping his Cincinnati, you know, annual, you know, Hmm. because I think that's important. But um, so he knows about staying in care, but you know, 90% of these guys and gals, they don't, they, right. they go and for a variety of reasons yeah. and, you know, insurance is a bad one mm-hmm. because, you know, we're finding out that, you know, a lot of these insurance companies are telling us that, Oh no, that's, you know, we don't cover that. And how do you not cover this? I mean, it's, yeah. I don't want to get into that. I know. I <laughs> we angry, could do a whole episode on how I know. I awful insurance is. <laughs> I, I just think that it's so important that these topics get out there. Yeah. And um, what you guys are doing is fabulous. I mean, <clears throat> it, it's just amazing that, you know, and <laughs> you don't want to put this out there, but for you guys to be in your closet at, <laughs> you know, 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning to talk to me about what I'm trying to do and have such um, spunk and, and enthusiasm and 
knowledge is is just so heartwarming for me because I'm I'm going I'm going down the other way. You guys are coming into the game, you know. I'm, <laughs> and it's just good to see that the baton is being passed to such you know good people like you guys. Thanks, Mike. That's sweet. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Uh, it, it is really interesting. I think one of the other things that really struck me how they talked about how similar the uh, the symptoms of of uh, heart failure or CHD issues can be very aligned to mental health and even mm-hmm. biologically with the types of nerves that are being moved or impacted. That was fascinating. Very tied to yeah. mental health. And I think that is, I see, and in, in, in the people that we've talked to, I see that as being the big focus is we've got to one, I think, spread awareness, which I think you're doing a great job of doing that. And also, you know, empowering people, normalizing those kind of things. And then providing resources. And I think for any parent that's out there listening to this, one, I think I think it's so, so important to set proper expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, even where we were, Harding was born in 2012. Um, 20, okay, edit that. <laughs> we I, have two kids. <laughs> uh, Harding was born in 2014. Yeah. And in, and in a lot of ways, we were told that. We were told, hey, he'll never be an Olympic athlete, but otherwise... He's going to be good to go. Um, yeah. And so those expectations being misaligned when things start creeping up and right. things start happening, I think if parents are just more aware that those are possibilities, things to look out for, things to prevent, mm-hmm. um, I think that will help. Um, but I think, too, um, once those expectations are aligned, then I think we need to resource people, point people in the right directions uh, to make sure that they are getting the care that they need. I think the medical medical community has, and this is my opinion, okay, mm-hmm. has received a, a wake-up call over the mm-hmm. last several years about the transitioning, about what these heart kids can do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not kidding. When I when <clears throat> when Zach was young, I mean it was like, you know, a lot of these kids, and I was in some of these groups for a little bit, you know, they're staying at home, they're they're on their couches, they're, you know, they're not really doing anything physically. And um, with that, and again, everybody's different, I get it, but mm-hmm. a lot of these kids could. And that's when um, we kind of, my wife and I kind of said, you know, we'd much rather have somebody call us and tell us that, you know, Zach was playing baseball and something happened to him. Hmm. Then walk in the house and he's laying on the couch and something happens to him. Hmm. We wanted him to be out there. We wanted him to enjoy his life the best he could and let him make the call. And right. when he got to that age where he could decide, and it was pretty young, you know, he tried soccer. He said, I can't do soccer. I can't go all the way down the field. I can play defensive soccer. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't like the game. So he dropped out of that after a season but he played baseball he then went into wrestling which i thought was crazy but he did <laughs> and he did well and you know i kept telling him you just got to pin everybody in the first period because <laughs> you don't have enough energy to go through <laughs> but it was uh but he enjoyed it and then he went to coaching it when he couldn't wrestle he mm. coached uh the s- sixth and seventh graders and um or no seventh and eighth was it six sixth and seventh or seventh seventh and eighth i think it was but anyway um he, he enjoyed it and he had a, so 
I think they're starting to realize that these kids should do more and they're, they're having them do more. And I hear stories about that, which is very, very enlightening. They are starting to get um, um, psychological help into the clinics, you know, and if they don't, you should find someone you're on your own to have your child, you know, go to. I just think it's just a smart idea to get it done when they're, before they think it's a, uh, you know, before they think it's not the cool thing to do, you know, Mm -hmm. but, and then for the loss of care, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, beating it in their heads that listen, you know, when I'm not here with you every at 18 or 19, whatever, you know, you need to make these appointments. You need, this is very important. Your health is very important Mm -hmm. and have them start at 16, 17, running their own Mm. um, doctor's visit when they're old enough to understand and talk to the doctor, ask the questions and um, do the things that you're doing for him now and kind of wean him into that position. So when he does hit 18, 19 and he's in college or on his way somewhere else, he knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, that's really good. Well, you know, I read a great book um, called How to Raise an Adult. And it's not a CHD book, but it is... <laughs> It, it is uh, really much addressed to, uh, you know, just there's a general uh, culture of parents with a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety and a lot of doing for them. And oh my gosh, is that not just times 100,000 for a CHD parent? Um, you know, uh, just the fear, the anxiety, the wanting to help, the wanting the mm-hmm. support. But they had a mantra in that book that that I, that we really try, we're not perfect, <laughs> but we try to live with our kid, which is anything they can do for themselves, they should. Uh, and just in, in the, in it, sometimes you got to rethink what can they do for themselves? You know, for us with our son, who's, um, seven, one of the things like drawing his own meds and prepping them every day and taking them, you know, we had to train him and we had to make sure that they were on the counter in a space that he could reach and supervise it and supervise it for a while. But now we can say he went to a sleepover and we just gave him his bottles and his syringes and said, make sure you take your medicine. Um, We also, we also say very cool. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we, he's doing awesome with it and he's not perfect either. Well, Hey, did you take your medicine? We have to be okay with, Hey, if if he misses a day or if it's a few hours late, the, the lesson that's okay that he's learning is more important than that. I think for us, it's just, you know, we feel like if he eventually those responsibilities are going to come to him and if he's not prepared for them or just hasn't seen him as normal, we're we're worried that would just create more anxiety. Right. Right. And and what you're doing is all the right. I think, you know, again, is all the right things and training him and, and letting him, you know, I mean, you, 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 you let him fail to the point where, you know, the net's there. So mm-hmm. if he doesn't take his medicine a day or two, then you can come, you know, right. but yeah. by giving him that, that initial responsibility and letting him feel good about what he's doing. And, you know, he's more likely to stay in care than somebody that, well, I just got my, you know, my mom gave me, or my dad gave me this every day. I didn't, you know, and it, there's the numbers there, 90% of these kids do not go back to care. Now let's just say an insurance of it is 30% of it. Give it a big number. Right. That's still, 60% of these kids are not trained to go to stay in care. Right. Or they think they don't need it. Right. And that, and then um, as Dr. Matson said, he even admitted it. And I've talked to other doctors that have said the same thing to me. They wouldn't go on camera and tell me that, mm-hmm. but he, he did. 
which was very helpful to everybody because they should, yeah. they should let them know that, Hey, you know, we didn't know this. We, uh, we thought, you know, it, it was good. We thought this was the way to go, but obviously it's not. And let's change it. And, um, I think, I think we're on the right course. I think we're going in the right direction. And I, I think that the, um, the, the, the CHD community as a whole is starting to hold everybody accountable, so to speak, to understand what they need to do and what can be done and where, where the boundaries are and what to do. Something you just said reminded me of Justin in the film, in his story. Is that his name? The, the very first guy we talked to? Yes. Justin. Okay. Justin. Um, he, he, he got married and all that on the, that was so cool to see. That's one yeah. of the things we like talk about is like, we hope that he's able to like have kids and yeah. Seeing those three, three little babies, man. I was like, Oh, (laughs) just made me so happy. Um, but like you said, like they grow up and they think that they're fine. And that was kind of Justin's story was like, I'm going along. Everything seems fine until somebody else said, wait a second. Like you should really probably go get checked out. You know, it's been, how long was it? Five years? Yes. Quite a while. And he went back and found out that there was an issue, you know, like not every, I mean, thank God he had someone in his life that was observant enough to connect those dots. Um, But a lot of people don't have that, don't have someone who's like paying that close attention that can like, and, 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 and even if they do have that, they maybe won't listen, you know, and just because they feel fine. But that's the thing about heart issues is that, they can kind of creep up on you. It's not always just a sudden like heart attack or a cardiac arrest. It's sometimes a slow burning issue that can then, you know, compound upon itself. And I think it's just our society now, I think is so much, so it's, it feels like almost everybody, every kid has a thing, you know, they have some kind of care. They're getting some kind of medicine, you know, Kat and I both take daily medicine. Our, Our daughter has had to have tubes put in her ears and operations on her mouth and teeth and so harding sees that you know yeah. like hey uh dad got a surgery to get his gallbladder removed you know <laughs> like you were yeah. we're the same i take a medicine every day you take a medicine every day and there's nothing wrong with that i think yeah. i think that's just such a different world that we live in and you know we we try to make sure that we show him that that hey your your thing is chd but everyone has a burden everyone has a thing everyone has something that they're treating and working on and managing in their life you know one of the ideas that we had about doing this um, on, a, on trying to help the loss to care was to think about this, 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 you know, this heart kid watching the show and, mm-hmm. and, and at the end, the girlfriend or boyfriend, whatever, didn't you have some sort of heart mm-hmm. surgery when you were younger, you know, and yeah, I did. And have you been to a doctor and, not really. Yeah. Don't you think you should, you know, that's kind of the <clears throat> element we kind of wanted to create. So it wasn't a, um, you know, Oh my God, you know, you got to go get checked out. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was, that's why we kind of, we, when Justin told his story so nicely that it leads to you not being scared to go back. It's just, you know, you need to, right. you know, or you would have, and like he said, you know, they found something that if he would have waited any longer, you know, he would have had some real issues. So that's kind of the way I approach these things. I try to, you know, let everybody see that 
obviously they know they have CHD, but you know, do you know you need to go back after 18, 19, 20 years of having it and get checked? Right. And um, a lot of times there's nothing wrong. It's everything's going fine. But if you have sophisticated surgeries like a Fontan, you need to get checked at least once a year. Right. And um, so, and a lot of the single ventricle kids are more apt to stay in care because they're, they've had so much care, you know? Right. But the ones that have that one hit here, one surgery there, and then kind of feel they coasted, those are the ones that we try to identify and hopefully get them to, to see the light and come back in. If a CHD parent is watching this, watching your film, if there's one thing you want a CHD parent to walk away with, we know what we want the adults who have CHD to walk away with. If there's a parent who maybe has a young kid, that's a lot of our audience. What would you like them to walk away with after watching this? I would love, that is such, that's the best question of the night. And I'll tell you why. Well, I guess this is morning. Um, <laughs> it's because they're the teachers hmm. at this point. You know, you guys, you know, my wife and I, you know, we're the teachers of these CHD kids. They're in our home, you know, and we're with them all the time. And I would love the message to be that this can be a positive and very rewarding experience for you as parents mm -hmm. and for the child. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to have ups and downs, but by God, celebrate the ups. I mean, we, my son and I, and he still talks about this. I would take him to the uh, appointments every year, every year, every annual appointment, and we would stop and get ice cream, mm -hmm. ice cream out of the uh, sliding doors down there at Children's. Mm -hmm. We'd get an ice cream um, cone or ice cream bar, whatever. And um, we always got, he always got an ice cream bar and I always got an ice cream bar. We'd always toast each other, you know, good, good call, whatever, good meeting and move on. And I would date the, the sticks and throw them in my office desk. Mm -hmm. And um, it's cleaning out my office to move here. And I found like 13 of these sticks. Hmm. And um, I was telling Zach about it. And then um, one of the sticks I noticed was from him, from one of his first meetings by himself. And he goes, I bought you a bar. I ate it for you. <laughs> Here's the stick. <laughs> but um, we tried to reward each, you know, we would have beautiful dinners every year after his appointments, we, you know, I'd go out and get whatever he liked and we'd have a big celebration dinner. And, um, we just tried to be as positive as we could and, and moved him forward as the best we could. And, um, that's what I'd like to have the parents out there doing is trying to be as optimistic and positive with their child and <clears throat> pushing them to do the right things for their health and as well as, you know, just living their life like a normal kid. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't see how anyone could watch your film and not feel some hope at the end of it for sure. That's those well, stories it, of all those people of those four people and just the hope that you leave, leave us with at the end. Like, look, there are people who are here who are helping. Like it just felt so comforting. Yeah. I think Nam. Nam says it all at the very end when he yeah. goes, you know, I do it for them. And then 
Oh my gosh. You know, we fade to black. I mean, it's, I mean, that's the true, that's what I would, would have said if I was him. I, Mm -hmm. it was just such a a great line. And, um, you know, and he's, he's probably promoting the movie, you know, harder than I am, believe it or not. He's all Mm -hmm. over the place, you know, and it's great. But, um, that's, you know, I, I appreciate you guys bringing me on for just so that I can get that, you know, positive and enthusiastic element out to the field, because I think it's just so important to get up every morning and, you know, yeah, your child has CHD, but you know what? Your child's waking up Yeah, and you're waking up yeah. and the sun's up and go out and enjoy. And you just, you know, there's, there's a lot of heartache in this disease, but yeah. there's also a lot of good things that happen and you got to enjoy those part, those times too. Absolutely. And really, really enjoy them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we can transition into the next part of our show. We didn't prep you for this, so we're going to catch you off guard here. But we do a little <laughs> segment called the Bag of Questions. Okay. These are uh, just three. It's kind of a lightning round, kind of some fun questions, some uh, inspirational ones. And this is this is typically how we wrap up. So Okay. Just uh, we got to wrap up. I enjoy talking to you guys. I think that's, cool. <laughs> that's great. No, We're probably tired of being in that closet, though. <laughs> There's no air conditioning. Yeah. Right. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. All right. First question. What song is your favorite 80s jam? 80s? Yeah. Jeez. Wow. I'm a big, was, Billy Joel was big in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yeah. So probably Piano Man. Yeah. If that works. That's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. If we could afford the the rights to that song, we'd put it on the podcast. But <laughs> yeah. We'll just encourage people to go look it up. Uh, yeah. uh okay. What meal would you choose to be your last meal? Ooh, now that I'm down here in the south, um used to be steak, mm. but I think it would be sushi, believe it or not. Wow. Okay. I bet they yeah. have some good stuff there on the coast. Yeah, the good fish, a good, a good sushi, and uh, okay, let's do a sushi appetizer and a steak for dinner. How's that? <laughs> both. Who says you can't have both? It's yeah, right. Meal. You know, live your you live, live your life. Uh, okay. Last one. We'll do kind of a an inspirational one. But what uh, what is your personal motto? My personal motto is, you know, I I would say is. I try to get up every morning and um, just go out there and do the, the best I can, be the happiest I can. And, um, you know, this is funny because I know this is long-winded on this question, but we live on a, on a beautiful island. I don't know if you've ever been to Hilton Head. And yeah. if you do, you got to come visit us. Um, but it's a beautiful island. And you would not believe how many negative people are on this island. It's mm. just so disheartening. And then you walk up and say hello, or they'll frown or whatever. And I say, what can you not be happy about living on this island? <laughs> I just, I want to know. I ask them and they get, I don't oh, get in their them? grill, but I ask them. And they, then they look at you like you're nuts, but it's like, what can you, how can you not be happy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, so I try to get up and I, I love riding my bike and my wife gets mad at me because I'll stop and talk to people at the lights <laughs> and on their bikes and where are you from? And do you like it here? And, but um I just try to get up every day and live it to the fullest and, um, and just be happy as much as I can. Cause you know, you could, with everything that's going on in this world right now, you could easily get up and not, but I try to, you know, just do the best I can and happy. And 
try to help people if I can and share what I can do for them to make them better. That's kind of it. Man, awesome. I love it. Yeah. So as, uh, as we wrap up here, Mike, um, the film is Building the Field, Mike Catchman, Rocky Smith. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. We're going to put a link to the film in the show notes. So look below in the description to see a link to it. Can't encourage you enough to go check it out and watch it, share it with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really helped us and we believe it will really help others. So really appreciate your work on that and really appreciate your time today, Mike. Thank you so much, guys, and uh, enjoy your Sunday. And again, thanks for having me on. And I'd love to do this again as things get going. And uh, we just keep doing updates if you'd like. I'd love it. Absolutely. Let's just, uh, you keep making films. We'll keep reporting right. podcasts. We'll keep <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Be well. All right. You too. Man, what a great conversation. Would you agree? <laughs> no, like we start every discussion that way. Okay. Um, don't say man would agree or man didn't you love. Okay. Don't say those things. Woman, that was great. Was it a gender issue that you had? With yes, it? it was. Okay. All right. Um, I don't get fair representation. I really appreciate. I'm keeping all this in the episode, by the way. Okay. I'm keeping it in You're my toxic. heart. <laughs> and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I'm just going to jump into it. Do it. Okay. Really appreciate Mike's insights there and really loved his thoughts on what parenting looks like and parenting with a with a goal and with an inspiration to live life to the full and celebrate life. And that's definitely been something that we've been working through as parents. Would you agree? Yeah, I really liked his, uh, the I guess the idea, the story that he told about how after he goes to appointments with his son or used to anyway they would get ice cream he would collect the sticks and write the date on that uh man what a good idea i know and that reminds me of something i think that you do a really great job of is you know we in an effort to normalize and destigmatize the hospital visits and Mm -hmm. the visits and the needle pricks and the tests and everything that our son has to do you always uh, build in like a target run, a little toy in there. And mm-hmm. gosh, that is like Harding's favorite thing in the world. It is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is. Uh, he looks forward to doctor's appointments. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's insane. Right. Yeah. Uh, just the other day, he is really icy out in Cincinnati here. And he stepped out of the van to go to school and slipped on some ice. I don't know how, but just really strained his foot. Yeah, I mean, twisted he, his ankle. Yeah, yeah. And he was limping around for days. And had just tremendous pain. Um, And we finally decided, hey, it's been nearly a week and he's still limping around. We probably should go get him x-rayed. Right. And uh, and then uh, simultaneously, he's also Hmm. having uh, a negative reaction to some medications that we've been transitioning out of. And Mm -hmm. we've been monitoring him closely as he's transitioned medications. But we're noticing some swelling and some puffiness, Mm -hmm. which... Um, is symptomatic of one of his uh, side effects. And so we had to deal with them both at the same time. And it's like, gosh, when it, and that's also, that's also the same time that Harding decided to swallow a toy in his room alone. He comes in and says, I swallowed a, it was a a metal washer nuts. It was a nut. nut. Yeah. yeah. Uh, To uh, kind of an erector set kind of toy. 
And this all happened within the same week of each other. And that's just CHD life, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, we have normal kid issues, normal family issues, uh, like swallowing toys and maybe slipping on some ice compounded with the CHD issues that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we're going in and Harding is just, he knows that he's got this, uh, he, he gets a free pass to go to Target and spend five bucks on a toy. And he's just, he's literally skit scatting and bebopping around the, the hospital yeah. and he's like hey what's up what's your name i'm a pro i do this all the time and because he had to go to one visit and get um a blood draw mm-hmm. um and he had to get an x-ray and an examination um with without clothes on to, to see his body you know all things that have triggered him in the past but i was amazed and i think you really spearheaded that um with him which was which was cool but i think that you know normalizing and destigmatizing the hospital, the visits, the care, the the medicine is really important. Yeah, you know, some might call it bribery. <laughs> uh, but I will take the praise. Now, I we know that Harding is going to be predisposed to anxiety. Um and it's important to me to that you know, whenever he has to get a blood draw or a test done or go to the doctor that we attach some sort of positive stimulus to it, right? For Harding, it's like he, you know how there's love languages? Yes. Um, Harding's love language is gifts. Like that's how he feels love the most. And that's why he gets so excited about it when we get to go to Target or the dollar store after a, an appointment. Um, but for your kid, you know, you can find out what their love language is. You know, if it's quali- just spending quality time with you afterwards, like Michael mentioned, like he took his son out to dinner that night ev- after an appointment and they would just have quality time together. Well, the ice cream. Yeah. This is so powerful. Yeah. Well, the ice cream and then dinner after. They yeah. Go too. I was adding on. Oh, I thought you were correcting. No, in this section, we listen <laughs> and we build on their, each other's responses to create a new response that we've both co-created. <laughs> That's kind of, I don't want to, oh, you know, it reveal how the magic is made, but That's well, how it's made. a little bit of science there, you know, <laughs> but I agree. It's, it, and I, you've really spearheaded it um, for sure. And it's really cool to see the responses in, in him. Because I think that was just one of the most powerful things in the in the film was, hey, we got to we got to make sure that kids are getting checked out and getting cared for holistically, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically, um, early and often in every way. Yeah. And um, there are several obstacles to that. And some of those we can control and some of those we can't. But the. Po- attaching a positive stimulus, destigmatizing, um, removing any shame or embarrassment for getting cared for mm-hmm. is is really powerful. Another way that we've done that is, you know, we're open with our kids about our health yeah, um, and the health of others. And just for Harding to know, hey, uh, mom and dad take pills. I take pills. Mom and dad have had surgeries and procedures. I have surgeries and procedures. You know, and just not, we want our kids to feel special, but we also just want them to know, hey, this is, this is normal. When we need help, we go get it. Right. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, something, you know, this isn't related to Harding per se, but um, I've been wrestling through anxiety lately and Audrey has noticed and we were talking about it and 
she communicated that she was worried about me because she could see that I was anxious. And I kind of told her, you know, mental health, taking care of your mental health is like um, taking care of your body as well when it gets sick. You know, like when we get a stomach virus, we, you know, get really sick and we need lots of time to recover and we've got to hydrate and we've got to get the good stuff in our body and rest and then we feel better, you know, within a week or two, right? The same happens when we're going through something with our mental health. We feel really sick and we have to treat it and give us, get the good stuff in there. And then as some time goes on, you feel better. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. You know, yeah. it's just a part. What I was trying to communicate to her is that it's a normal part of life. Just like how the rest of your body gets sick, your brain gets sick too sometimes. And um, it's okay. So I think it's important with our CHD kiddos too that like they know that there's a mental health aspect that it's okay for them to experience that anxiety. It's okay for them to have these moments. But overall, if we as CHD parents can equip them to handle that anxiety, to bring in positive association to things that might call, cause anxiety, um, then that will help them as they transition into adulthood, right? They're not going to feel ostracized. Ostracized? Ostracized. It's ostracized. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to feel so ostracized as they grow. And they're, and they're going to be um, more adept at taking care of themselves and, and recognizing the signs within them when they say, oh, I need that extra help. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. In addition to this podcast, we have lots of other resources to help support, encourage, and equip CHD parents. These can all be found at TomandCatHanson.com. The one we are most excited about is our book. Yes, we've written a book. It's called Hope and Courage, Real Life Lessons from the Parents of a Child with Congenital Heart Disease. It's a must read for CHD parents because it gives you a story that only you can relate to and valuable insights you need to live a happy and fulfilling life. It's almost ready and you can sign up now on our website to join our mailing list to be the first notified when it's ready to be purchased. While you wait, we'll go ahead and send you a free resource, Top 10 Tips for CHD Parents, which you will love. You can follow us at Tom and Cat Hansen on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. With that, we'll talk to you next time.